Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. I, I did not see the hand collection coming. I'm not going to lie. Did anybody else see it coming? That's pretty cool. Bill, I want, uh, for my next birthday, I want one of the hands from your house, okay? Thanks. Right. Here, let's pray together before we start. Jesus, thank you um, for a new year, for new life, um, for an opportunity to come together and, and hear from you, not from me. God, thank you that you're a God who, who changes people, who saves people. And he doesn't just leave us the way we are, wants us to be different, wants us to be changed. And God, I pray as we, as we open the word today that you would, you would go forth in power, God, that we'd all be able to leave this room after we're done and say, wow, God showed up, showed up in our midst. Lord, we love you. It's in your name. Amen. All right. So it feels good to be back with you guys. Um, Bobby Gunter said, we thought, you, we thought you got up and left. I'm like, Bobby, I missed one Sunday, all right? Um, so, yeah, we got to welcome our little Abigail Joy into the world. And, uh, and the, the amazing thing about little Abigail is she is, loves to sleep, all right? Praise God. Give him a hand for that, please. Um, and... And being a dad is just really cool. If you look at the next picture, um, it was funny that the the weekend that we kind of had like a gender reveal party to with our family to tell the the um, the sex of the baby. Um, I found out we found out it was a girl, and that whole weekend we watched three movies, and every single movie we watched was a dad giving his daughter away at a wedding. And I was just like, I can't do this. I was in the fetal position. Like, this, this is, I can't. This isn't going to happen. Um, but Heather and I are ecstatic. Um, we've had to get a new fridge because of all the meals you guys have dropped off. Thank you. I'm just kidding. But thank you guys so much. Um, and, uh, you know, birth and, and having a baby brings so much newness, right? One kid, now you have two. Um, there's all this joy, but there's also this, this uncertainty. And I remember when we found out Heather was pregnant, um, she comes to me after about a month or two and says, hey, for this baby, I want to do um, natural childbirth. And I'm looking at her like, that sounds painful. I've seen the movies. I've heard the stories. I've heard yelling and screaming. Like In my head, I'm like, really? Do you have to do that? They have modern medicine now. Um, what, what, what's happening here? Because with Judah, I got to kind of hang out. Heather got the epidural. We're watching movies. And then, you know, here we go. Here comes the baby, right? But now I had to become her birthing coach. And I'm like, oh, gosh, like, how am I going to do this? Well, I'm a, like the good husband I am. I start reading books. I'm like, all right, we're going to figure this out. Um, we're going to start counting contractions, you know, the whole nine yards. And as we got closer and closer to the birth, we start, the contractions start getting closer together, closer together, closer together. And we're like, okay, this is probably it. 
We go to bed that night. About 4 o'clock in the morning, I hear Heather jingling the keys. And I'm like, okay, I think it's time. She's, she's ready to go. She's ready to go to the hospital. While we're driving to Brian, I had to stop to get my Venti Starbucks because I needed to be awake for this birthing coach process, right? Um, we had time, okay? Relax. We had plenty. Heather said I could do it, okay? Um, so we get to the hospital. They wheel us back. They're, we're in triage, and they're trying to monitor um, the baby's heartbeat. And as soon as they put on all this, this stuff, like, we're not hearing a heartbeat. And it's a little scary, and they're, they're trying to adjust everything. Finally, they get the heartbeat, and they have to check to see if the baby's head is ready to come out, right? And the nurse comes in and says, hey, I can't, I can't feel the baby's head. And then another nurse comes in. I can't feel the baby's head either. Then Heather's water breaks. And then people are just flying into the room. Doctors are coming in. And the doctor checks and says that, that Abby actually grabbed on to the doctor's finger while he was checking Heather. And we're just like, okay, what's going on here? You know, we're a little nervous. Well, apparently, Abby was kind of coming down like this. And they said, hey... The baby can't come out that way. We have to do a C-section. And in a matter of like our whole plan that we had was, was a race in a split second. Heather was sad because Heather wants a challenge. She wants to say like, hey, I, I did this, right? Um, and with a matter of an, like 30 minutes to 45 minutes, I'm in scrubs. Heather's on the operating table. And like it's go time. And I remember... As, as they're doing the C-section and as they're pulling Abby out, by the time Abby got the triage to the operating table, she had totally breached. She had totally flipped around. And the doctor's pulling her out and has her legs out, has her torso out, but she's not wanting to come out. And the doctor's like, what's going on? She's holding on to something. And finally they get her out, and she was holding on to like one of Heather's ribs. And just, just not wanting to come out of Heather. It was, it was crazy. I thought it was like Jacob and Esau like holding on to his heel or something. Um, so needless to say, once she came into the world, we were ecstatic. The newness was there. We were excited. It didn't matter how it happened, right? It didn't matter if the plan didn't go accordingly. We got to celebrate new life. And guys, our... Our society, we're obsessed with new. We love new. That's why we celebrate the new year, right? We have New Year's resolutions. We have all these amazing new goals, new car, new house. We're, we're obsessed in our society, especially in America, with new. But the thing is, deep down inside of us, that's a God-given thing. Because one day God is going to make this world new again. So we're craving that, but we take it out in all these other things. And, and one of the, the things that's been kind of a new, not a new trend, but it's kind of been resurrected. Um, have you guys seen the show Fixer Upper? How many of you guys have seen Fixer Upper? Okay. So what they do is they flip a house, right? They have this um, prospective buyer. They give them three choices in a house, and they say, all right, here's the plan if we were going to pick this house, what it's going to look like, it would be your dream home. And the buyers say, we want this one, and they, and they give the keys over to Chip and Joanna, 
Chip and Jojo, and they just go to town on this house. And then at the very end of the show, they say, hey, are you ready to see your fixer-upper? And they pull back a picture of the old, and they get to see the new house in the same exact place as the old one. And guys, we are, we are a lot like those fixer-upper houses. We're a lot like that house that's in a, in a neighborhood, and we're not doing so, so well, and God comes into our equation and says, hey, I'm going to buy that house. And he buys the house, and he says, okay, I'm not going to leave the house the way it is. I'm going to start this process to make it into the dream home, the, the us before sin. I'm going to try to get back to that. And guys, that's us today. And as we go into this new, um, this new year, change is not going to happen the way that we think it's going to happen. Change is not going to happen by adding things to our equation. Change is going to happen when we let God change us and fix us up. So today, I'm excited. We're going we're gonna to dive into Romans 12, um, 1 through 8. And I want to give you a little context. Paul has spent the entire book of Romans talking about salvation. He says, I've come to preach salvation. You are dead in your sins. The wrath of God is, is on you. But praise be to Jesus that he died for you. And if you have faith in him, you can have life again, a new identity. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And then he says, I've chosen you. And then he gets right now, this is where we're going to look. It's the practical point of the book, Romans 12. So let's stand together. We're going to read that in honor of God's word. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. May God bless the reading of his word. You guys can have a seat. So guys, what we see in Romans 12, and if, if you have your bulletin, you want to follow along, just fill in the blank notes. Um, the first thing is, if we want to see the change that you desire in your life, if you want to see that, the first step is you have to surrender your body to Jesus. Surrender your body to Jesus. Now, Joe, what does that mean? Well, think about this. 
Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. All right. We can't skip over the, the, the little phrase that says, in view of God's mercy. John Piper uses this illustration. He said, let's, let's say that there's four of us from this church. We went over to the Middle East, and um, somebody from ISIS takes us captive. They put a bag over our heads. They throw us in a car. They take us to this undisclosed location. And imagine, you don't know what they're saying, but you can kind of make out that, that it's not looking good. And finally, it says that the ISIS guys say, hey, we're going to kill you. And in that moment, here's what you're not doing. You're not appealing to justice. You're not telling the guys, hey, you got the wrong guy. We didn't do anything wrong. Um, I, you, you guys are going to pay for this. This is the justice system. Listen, they don't care about justice. So what do we have to do in that moment if justice doesn't work? We have to appeal to mercy. We have to say, please spare us. Please. We're, at the, we're in the hands of them. Like, please don't let us die. You, it's a mercy plea, a mercy cry. Well, imagine, guys, all of us in front of a holy, perfect, just God where we don't deserve life. We don't deserve life with him. We deserve death. We deserve sin. We deserve hell. Well, we can't appeal to justice because we're, we're, we're guilty. The thing is, it's the same. It's mercy. Jesus was the mercy sacrifice for us, not getting what we deserve. Jesus got what we deserve. So in view of that, guys... Imagine somebody has just totally spared your life. You owe everything to him. Like a master um, is, has a servant. We come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you have done everything for me. You have shown me so much mercy that I'm offering myself to your service. It's not the other way around. We don't offer ourselves to Jesus so that he'll love us. He already loves us. We offer it as a response to how much he's loved us. So guys, if you want to see the change in 2019, it's not adding things to your schedule. It's not trying to read your Bible more. It's not trying all these things. Those are good things. But it starts with surrender. It starts with laying your life down. Guys, we think of surrender as this negative thing. We think of somebody losing in a battle and they, they wave their white flag and, and we, we surrender. We, we, give, we give ourselves totally to you and, and we think of that as like losing something. But guys, when we surrender to Jesus, that is where the greatest blessings of our lives flow. Complete surrender to him. Think about this. If you In Romans 6, at the end of the thing it says, But thanks be to God that you used to be slaves to sin. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin, but then catch this. You've become slaves to righteousness. So we leave one slavery and then we enter a new one. This isn't preached about a whole lot. A lot of times we, we get people saved, we get them dunked in the baptistry and then they're like, well, I can kind of do what I want now, right? No. Jesus says, if you've been truly changed by him, you're a slave to him. 
And it's not the slavery that we see in, that we saw in America or in Britain, the, the horrendous things. This is a slavery of righteousness. This is, you are gaining more life by being a slave of Jesus. Imagine, guys, we all watch those HGTV shows where there's, there's that annoying couple that's like looking at the house, right? That's super picky. Like they're looking at a $2 million home and they're being picky, right? Oh, I don't like, it's, it's, it's granite. I didn't want granite. Like, are you kidding me? Heather and I, like, scream at the TV and we say, we would do anything to be in that house and it doesn't have five bathrooms and you're upset, right? Well, imagine, imagine they're on Fixer Upper and they say, this is the house we want. Chip and Joanna give them the plans. And what if they showed up to that work site every single day and they said, hey, actually, don't, don't change that. We're going to keep that the way it is. Um, uh, that's going to cost a little too much money. Don't do that. Guys, Chip and Joanna would be like, hey, you're driving us crazy. We can't work with you. Guys, that's, I'm afraid that's what we're like with God a lot. We, we say we're giving him the reins, but then there's so many parts of our lives that we're just holding on to. So many, like a, like a tight fist. But God's saying, look, if you trust me, Chip and Joanna are the experts. They're going to make you an amazing home. I would say, all right, do whatever you want. Do whatever you think works. Do we trust God? That's the first part, is surrender your body to Jesus. The next part, renew your mind in Jesus. Renew your mind in Jesus. Paul goes on to say, so he's like, all right, surrender, offer yourself to God, and then here's how we do it. He says this, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Lust, pride, sin, greed, bitterness, comparison. Do not be conformed to that. But he doesn't just stop there, because if Paul just said, don't do this, what did we do growing up when our parents told us not to do something? We did it, right? Telling you, look, if, if, you've, if you've been raised in a church that just tells you rules, it says don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, you are not experiencing the gospel. Because God doesn't just say don't do this, he replaces it with something better. Here's what he says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Guys, when I was at Liberty... Um, it's a Christian college, and one of the biggest questions all of us asked ourselves was, what is God's will for my life? And we, we said that because we, we thought, what we really meant was, what does God want me to do? What's my job going to be? What's my marching orders going to be? But I'm afraid, while we were at Liberty, we said that, but we, we, we missed what God's will actually is. His, his will is that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, because if we're transformed, then he'll lead us into what we're supposed to do. Identity comes before activity. So what does it mean to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Transformers is an awesome movie, something that became something else. God wants us to become something completely different. He wants us to become that fixer-upper house that people are like, wow, I didn't even see that possible in that house. 
Well, it's, it's a two-step process. The first one is this, out with the old. Out with the old. Guys, the first thing that Fixer Upper does, or when you're flipping a house, they buy the house, but they have to gut out so much stuff. The moldy carpet. They have to fix the termite issue. They have to replace the floors. They have to replace the walls. Like they, they, they totally take out the old house in order to replace it in with the new. In with the new. Then they, then they come in and they start to add all those new features. But I'm afraid, guys, when I was growing up, I'm going to be like really honest with all of you guys right now. And I'm not telling you guys this because this is a confession. I'm not telling you guys this because I feel guilty about it. This is a story of transformation that Heather and I have experienced in our marriage and in my life. Um, Guys, in sixth grade, I was exposed to pornography. And I know the moment I just said pornography, everybody got a little, little tense. But I was exposed to it. And over my years in junior high and high school, it became an addiction. And it was something that was just eating away at me. My mind was conforming itself to that. And as I got into high school, I accepted Christ, and it was a, it was a miracle. My senior year, God says, hey, I want that house. But my pornography addiction didn't go away. But I wanted to stop. I wanted it to be gone. I wanted to be free from this, but nothing was working. And and all the advice I would get from people was, hey, Joe, you just need to renew your mind. They would talk about this verse. They'd say, renew your mind. And try harder. Well, I would try harder not to do it. I would try harder to, to memorize scripture. But guys, it didn't work. As I got into college, I brought that addiction into my relationship with Heather. And it, it, it was hard. I was honest with her about it. I wasn't hiding it. But it was very, very hard for the both of us. And as college went on, I was finding a little more freedom, but it wasn't all the way gone. Fast forward now to about a year and a half ago. And... My friend got busted with it. He's married too. And he said, Joe, I'm going to this counseling class in College Station called Pure Desire. It's specifically for people with sexual addictions. And I'm like, I'll go to support you, right? I thought I was good. I thought I was clean. I'm going to go to support my friend. And I remember as I showed up to this group, I showed up to this this, this counseling group, I didn't know any of the guys except my friend. I was, it was like God hit me with a, like a semi-truck and said, Joe, you need this in your life. And I remember as I began the six to seven month group counseling season in my life, it was hard. You know why it was hard? Because I had to go back to my past. I had to go back to the things that I was ashamed of. I had to go further than I wanted to go. And Heather, 
thank goodness that there was a women's counseling group that was going through the same thing. She got help too. Because she was so lost in this whole thing. She was so like, didn't know what to do, didn't know who to confide in, all this, all these things. But Heather went through the same process that I was going through. And it was hard, guys. It was a hard season in our lives. I'm not going to say it was easy. But as we went through it, we began to, to gut out the old things in our lives that were hindering our present. And we said, man, we got to deal with our stuff. we got to let Jesus cleanse us from that. Because, guys, here's the deal. Jesus has paid for your sin past, present, and future, but he wants to remove the power of sin in your life right now. Because here's the deal. We all have a past. And the moment we accept Christ, our past is, is paid for, but it still affects our present. And I remember as we were finding healing and finding healing, finally, guys, the first time I ever shared this publicly was at, like, a, it was a minister's, um, it was one of the Holy Week services, and God taps on my shoulder and he says, hey, you need to share this. And I'm like, what? But guys, I'm telling you, when you bring sin to the light, and you're not ashamed of it because you know that Jesus has bought you, he's covered you, you have a new identity, you will walk in more freedom than you can ever imagine. Your mind will actually become rewired. Guys, science is finally catching up to the Bible in this, in this aspect, and it says your brain can actually rewire itself. Paul talked about it 2,000 years ago. And guys, why do I tell you that? Because I know that there's some people in this room that do struggle with pornography. I know that there's some people in this room that have crippling anxiety. I know that there's some people in this room that are severely depressed. And you walk into church and you put on your church clothes and everything seems fine, but inside there's something gnawing away at you. And you can't shake it and you don't want to tell anybody because you're afraid they'll look at you weird and bad. Guys, I'm here to tell you, whatever that thing is, Jesus has his arms open saying, bring it to me, bring it to me, bring it to me. The only way that we can be that fixer-upper house is if we get real about our past. So we seek help. I don't know what that is for you today, but God wanted me to share it for somebody. Because, guys, think about this. If Chip Gaines walks into the fixer-upper house, and instead of gutting out all the old, he just put up, he just put hardwood over, over top, he just patched up the walls, painted it, made it look good. Yeah, it would look good for a little bit, but eventually the old house would catch up with the new house. It would make people sick that moved in. So guys, renewing our minds is not just by going to Bible studies. It's not, it's not just by showing up to church. It's not just by going uh, to Sunday school. It's not just by reading your Bible. We have to get honest about our past. We have to restore some things in our life. And guys, until we do, it'll never change the present. I'm a living testimony and example to that. Guys, I've never felt more free in my life. I'm serious. If God wanted me to share this story of healing over and over again, I'm not ashamed of it anymore because it's not a wound, it's a scar. When you touch wounds, you withdraw and you hide and you're ashamed and you're scared. 
When you touch a scar, you say, hey, here's the story behind my scar. Guys, some of us have been holding wounds down and covering them up for way too long. And it's time to seek freedom today. So we have to have in with the new. We have to replace it with truth. We have to replace those, those bad moments of our past with truth. And here's the last point. We need to be involved in the body of Jesus. Guys, healing does not take place by yourself. I learned that the hard way. I wanted to be free from my addiction by myself, and I didn't want anybody else to know about it. I didn't want, I didn't want, I was so scared, I was so ashamed of what people would say, of what people would think. But until I got into a community of six other guys that didn't give a rip about what I did, and just were loving, and said, you can share, it's safe. Guys, a lot of us have never experienced true transformation because we've never been experienced true community. Paul goes on to say, it's the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Be humble, like Jesus was humble. And then he goes on to say something crazy. He says this, just as each of us have one body with many members, all those members have different functions. So in Christ, though many, we form one body, each member belongs to the other. Did you guys catch that? If you believe in Jesus in this room, you belong to every single one of us. There's no part of you that just says, like, hey, I don't want to belong. You already do. You're already part of the family. And Paul says there's a way that you're going to be able to show that you belong. There's a way that you're going to grow, and it's living in your spiritual gifts, okay? So if I gave you a piece of paper earlier, come down to the front, and we're going to stand right here. I didn't tell you how to do this, but if I gave you a piece of paper, come on down. Okay. Do you have a list of all those gifts on the next slide? So we're going to, I want you to line up in order of the gifts, okay? So the first one's prophecy. Second one is service. The next one's teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and mercy, okay? All right. Stand over here. Okay. Here, you come over here. And then there's a turkey and a hitchhiker, okay? So I got this illustration from one of my professors in college, okay? All seven of these people are in the church together. They all have different gifts, okay? And here's how these gifts would, would manifest itself, because here's the deal. When you accept Jesus, the Spirit of God comes into you, and he gives you a spiritual gift. You don't get to choose what it is, um, none of these are more important than the other ones, but when they are all working together, we get a picture of who Jesus is, and that actually helps us renew our minds, okay? So let's just say Thanksgiving's on the, on the table or Christmas, and the turkey, we've spent a lot of time on the turkey, so you're standing right there in the middle, face the audience, okay? And um, it's all decked out. We got the stuffing, we got the cakes, um, we got the rolls, we have the green bean casserole. Everything is lined out on this table. But Cousin Eddie comes, 
and he's wrestling with Cousin Mike, and they bump into the table, and the turkey flies and hits the ground. So you hit the ground. There you go. Chaos ensues at the table. The prophet's response would be, what did you guys do? You just, you just wasted a perfectly good turkey to the glory of God. We could have fed hungry kids in Africa with that turkey. What are you guys doing? He's the blunt guy, right? Okay. The servant says, doesn't say much, gets to work, picks up the turkey, redoes the chairs, throws another turkey in the oven. He's, he's just serving because he wants the meal to happen without a bump. The teacher says, well, the reason why the turkey went off the table was because Cousin Eddie hit it with his rear end. It was perpendicular to the ground. Gravity hit it. And we all have a lesson that we can learn here, right? This is a teachable moment at the Thanksgiving dinner table, right? That's how the teacher would respond. The encourager says, well, only the bottom part of the turkey actually hit the ground. Let's saw off the bottom. We'll put it on the top. Everything's fine. The, the three-second rule is in effect. Everything is good, all right? No, no big deal. We're all right. The giver says, scrap everything, let's go to La Casita, I'm buying, all right? <laughs> the leader says, um, hey, Susie, you go get that turkey out of the freezer, throw it in the microwave, you, Bobby, you clean up, we're going to do this, everybody has a part, and in 15 minutes, we'll have this meal back on track, all right? That's what the leader does. The mercy person's like, oh my gosh, the turkey, what are we going to do? Let's just sit and cry for a little bit, right? The mercy person is just, they just let it happen, right? And in the church, guys, we need all of these gifts because they all show us more of who Jesus is. Jesus, as I'll explain later, is perfect in all of these gifts, but he only gives us certain ones. So when we come together, we live it out. All right, this also works in a different way. Turkey, you can go sit down. Give it up for the turkey. All right. So, so there's a hitchhiker here, and this also works, all your gifts, guys, actually work on how you share your faith. It gives you a platform to share your faith. So let's say the prophet's driving down the road, and he picks up the hitchhiker, and he says, hey, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And the hitchhiker's like, uh, I don't know. He's, and then he starts sharing Jesus, and he says, you need to repent right now. There is plenty of room between the dashboard and the seat. You need to get on your knees, and you need to accept Christ. Hey, have you accepted Christ yet? All right, now get out. I've got to go pick somebody else up. That's what the prophet would do, all right? Very blunt, very straightforward. The servant would say, hey, son, I, I saw you were hitchhiking. Where are you going? Oh, you're going to El Paso? I can take you there. It's not that far. Um, and uh, I'll make it back in time, I think. And while he's going, while he's serving him, he shares his faith. The teacher says the reason why this guy's hitchhiking is because he's uneducated, right? So he says, hey, I have four volumes of systematic theology that I need you to read right now. You need to get over Christology, um, the theology of sin, and then and then the, the hitchhiker's like, hey, can I get saved? And he's like, no, we have two more volumes that we need to get through. I do not want you making any false professions of faith, right? The encourager says, hey, God's got a plan for your life. It's not, it, it, life's not that bad. There's a little blip in there called sin, but Jesus paid for that guy. Why don't you accept Jesus for that, right? The giver says the reason why he's hitchhiking is because he probably doesn't have a car, right? So he says, hey, what are you doing out here hitchhiking? Do you not have a car? I'll help finance the car. Are you doing anything later for, for dinner? Oh, let me buy, right? The finance the car might be a little extreme, but you know what I mean. Um, 
But while he's being giving and generous to them, he shares his faith. The leader thinks that the hitchhiker is hitchhiking because he's unorganized, right? So he's like, hey, you need to get a calendar. You need to get a day planner. You need to put some more reminders in your phone. Um, and then you need to get God in your life in there too somewhere. And uh, that's how the leader shares their faith. And finally, the mercy person is saying, oh my gosh, I saw you on the side of the road. I thought you were going to die. So I picked you up. Are you okay? What, what can I do? Do you want to talk? Do you want to settle this right now? Like, How's everything going? Do you know Jesus? Like, Jesus saved me, right? So the mercy person is very compassionate, right? All right, give these guys a hand. They did a great job. You guys can go take a seat. Guys, here's the cool thing about these gifts. Jesus doesn't want you to just sit in a pew and spectate. Because, guys, every single one of us in this room, Clyde said it before, has gifts that God has given to you to share with the church. And until you utilize those gifts, you're not going to be where you want to. God wants you to, to use those gifts, be in community with others that have those gifts so that we'll see Jesus. Think about it. Jesus was the ultimate prophet. He said some harsh words sometimes. He wasn't always this, this, this nice guy with a lamb with flowing hair. No, sometimes he like flipped tables and, and he got onto the Pharisees' skin. He was a servant. Jesus says, I have not come to be served, but to serve. Give my life as a ransom for many. Think about that, guys. God in the flesh serving a sinful humanity. He was a great teacher. He was the perfect teacher. It says that when, when people heard him speak, they said, wow, this guy's not like any teacher we ever heard because this guy has authority. He was an encourager. He encouraged those knucklehead disciples when they kept blowing it over and over again. He said, hey, keep going. You're going to be okay. He was a giver, guys. He, he ultimately he gave his life for us the ultimate gift. He was a leader. Guys, we are all results of Jesus' leadership. He brought 12 disciples with him all the way through life and then says, all right, you're going to do what I do. And the reason we're here, if we know Jesus personally, is because that disciple told somebody who told somebody who told somebody all the way down the road who told us. And he was, a, he was filled with mercy, like I talked about earlier. He didn't want us to die in our sin. So, guys, I don't know where you're at today. And as Ross and the band come back up, like we talked about, because here's the cool thing. At the end of time, God is going to peel back our lives, kind of like Chip and Joanna peel back um, the thing at the end of the show and say, are you ready to see your fixer-upper? Are you ready to see it? And guys, I have a feeling he's going to do that with us. Are you ready to see who you were behind all of that sin your entire lives? He's going to peel back the curtain, and we're going to celebrate. But guys, I don't know about you. I don't want to just wait until that day to peel back some of the curtain. I don't want to just wait until eternity to live in the freedom that Jesus has promised me now. So guys, I don't know where you're at. I want you to just take a minute, close your eyes. 
And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, God, what, what is it that you wanted to say to me today? What is it that you wanted to speak that has my name on it today? Is there something I'm hiding that I've been hiding for a long time that I need to tell somebody? Have I truly given you the reins? Am I using my gifts? Am I really involved in a church? Just ask the Spirit right now what what it is you want to say. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're moving. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you you honor you you offer us true freedom if we want it. You bought it, you paid for it, and you want to fix us up. But we have to let you. We have to give you the reins. We have to be willing to go to those hard places to find freedom. God, show us that being a slave of righteousness is an amazing, freeing thing. God, help us, show us what our gifts are. That we can use them in the body of Christ. That we can lift you up. Because we belong to one another. We belong to you. Lord, we thank you and it's in your name. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing a song, um, and if God's been tugging on your heart at this ser- in the service for some reason, um, Clyde and I would love to pray with you up front. Let's sing. Hymn number 290.